HSD are experts in delivering tech solutions to the vet sector, working with clients such as the Department of Education, Skills and Employment, ASQA and the VRQA. HSD understand the complexities of VET, its systems and data. We specialise in systems integration, customer relationship management systems, Microsoft platforms and migrating organisations to the cloud. So whether you're looking for advice on integrating your systems, meeting your data reporting requirements or looking to gain insights into your stakeholders, HSD are here to help. Visit hsd.com.au or follow us on LinkedIn. From Claire Field and Associates, I'm Claire, and I'm pleased that you could join me for this episode of What Now, What Next? Insights into Australia's tertiary education sector, episode 53. And joining me this week is Sally Curtin, the CEO of Bendigo Kangan Institute. Before I get to my interview with Sally, a couple of things to note. Firstly, I know that practically everyone in the world has their own podcast now, but I am truly thankful to the people who encouraged me to start one. The chance to speak to so many interesting people in the sector is a real privilege, and this interview was no exception. We recorded it the day after the earthquake in Melbourne and with parts of the Bendigo Kangan campus network declared a Tier 1 COVID site. The work that everyone in the sector is doing, but particularly in Victoria, New South Wales and the ACT, supporting staff and students through the outbreaks and keeping the focus on the future is remarkable. And looking beyond COVID and whether you work in TAFE or other parts of the tertiary education sector, I think you'll find what Bendigo Kangan is doing is really interesting. Sally talks through the challenges and opportunities of working with employers in the fast-moving and ever-changing world of tech. And as an outsider coming into the sector, she also has some interesting views on the reforms the sector needs, including funding to help providers innovate in the ways government wants them to. I learned about what some of what Sally and her team are doing through previous online webinars that we've both been on. Um, I'm conscious, though, that there are many other providers out there doing great things who I haven't been on a webinar with yet. Um, If that's you and what you're doing is not just great, but also innovative in either vet or higher education, then do feel free to get in touch. I have a number of guests lined up for future episodes, but if you can help listeners to the podcast understand both what's happening now in the sector and what's coming next, i.e. what now, what next, then I'd love to chat. And you don't have to be nearly so kind as Sally was in this interview to join me on the podcast. Enough of this prelude. Let's get to my discussion with Sally, her passion for VET and the opportunities they're pursuing at Bendigo Kangan. It is a great pleasure for me to welcome Sally Curtin, CEO of Bendigo Kangan Institute, to join me on the podcast um, today. Sally, thank you very much for your time. We are recording this the day after Melbourne was hit by an earthquake. 
you've been, uh, we were just talking uh, just before, you've been in lockdown um, as a city essentially for much of the, the last uh, 12 months, if not longer. And you're also uh, newish, um, both in the role and, and in the TAFE sector, not the easiest um, uh, challenge in the world to, to, to step into, but one from the outside that you've done with absolute aplomb. And I wonder, can you tell us a bit more about your career, what it was that drew you to wanting to lead a TAFE Institute and what it's been like stepping into this role um, during COVID? Yeah, thank you uh, very much, Claire. It certainly has been a, an extraordinary period of time over the past, uh, I think I've been in my role 22 months now, and uh, but this is in everyone's career right now, I think, in, well, certainly in Australia, but definitely in Victoria. Uh, so firstly, I would just like to say uh, thank you so much for inviting me. Uh, you are uh, such a shining light for the vocational education sector and joining the sector most recently there's been a couple of voices that I've often gone to to, to learn and, and to get some perspective. And it, it's been yours and, and this podcast and the, just the knowledge you have and the analysis you do across the policy framework. Um, so that's really helped uh, me into the, the, the sector, but also Craig Robertson. So I'm delighted. Uh, he was obviously at the uh, TAFE directors and now uh, the new chief executive at the Skills Authority here in Victoria. But um, there have been two shining lights for me, but you've certainly been one. So thank you, Claire. It's a real privilege to be here. Thank you. Uh, to answer your question, uh, I've been a career public servant, actually, so working in a variety of roles in local and state government across various sectors too. So I worked in uh, justice and transport and integrity uh, I guess I've developed my career in successfully delivering big reforms or major changes that have a big impact on the community and uh, probably the more complex the work, the better. So when I was approached about a role in TAFE and, and particularly when I was learning about Bendigo Kangan Institute, I was captured by both the challenge, uh, the purpose uh, that TAFEs uh, deliver on, and I think to have an impact at scale uh, and in this instance uh, both across both metropolitan and regional Victoria. As you said, it's also my first CEO role, and I think I might have been seen as a square peg in a round hole uh, when I was announced and, and coming into TAFE without a background in education. But probably I've had that my whole career, and as it's turned out, my skills and experience have been complemented by the phenomenal skills and experience of the career educators within the organisation. So I do just quickly want to touch on and share my first impressions of TAFE coming into it. Uh, um, just the amazing dedication and extraordinary efforts of our staff every day. Uh, they're incredibly dedicated and focused and, and everyone, uh, all anyone really cares about is, is, is delivering for our students. Uh, but also uh, I would say uh, with the interesting time to join at, with the promise of reforms at both the state and national level, and I'd have to say that many of these reforms in my mind can't come fast enough. It's, um, it's unnecessarily complex uh, in many instances, over-regulated, and, and I've got a background as a regulator, so I can sort of say that firsthand. Uh, and the combined effect of these two factors is that it's hard to be nimble and, and keep pace with the needs of industry and respond accordingly. But of course, then uh, COVID hit, uh, and um, you asked me to talk about my, my background. Um, my ad undergraduate is actually a Bachelor of Applied Science in Environmental Health, and no one ever knows what that is, but essentially I studied for four years in, in how to manage a pandemic. 
So it's better sales, perhaps more confident in leading a pandemic than most. Uh, and that's the interesting thing with skills, isn't it? That at the time, uh, back in 1996, when I finished my degree and I felt I'd been sold the sick pup as there weren't too many uh, major pandemics that required managing. Uh, and now 25 years later, uh, those skills are in huge demand and everyone is developing at least general skills and knowledge of infection control. And if I reflect on my first role out of uni, um, I ran what was then promoted as Australia's first mobile immunisation service, which was a caravan that I drove around the northern and western suburbs to increase vaccination rates that are hard to reach. And now again, that's exactly what's needed and occurring again 25 years later. Um, so again, a, a really interesting time uh, to be joining the sector. I'm loving every moment of it. And uh, there's huge challenge, but amazing rewards as well. Wow, I've been nodding all the way through it. You were uh, very kind and, and flattering in your your comments about me. But thinking about you, you know, literally driving around the the caravan uh, all those years ago, and you're absolutely right. This is what we need to to get vaccination rates up and uh, you know return as as much as we can to to normal. Now you spoke about Bendigo Kangans sitting across both regional and um, and metropolitan um, uh, Melbourne. Uh, for listeners outside of Victoria, can you explain a bit about the the geographic location that you cover? And I'm particularly interested in um, the advantages for you in having uh, the campus in um, in Cremorne and some of the work that you're doing there. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, to describe uh, Benigo Kangan, I have to just talk a little bit about uh, what we do and what we offer because, you know, I think there's lots of um, confusion or perhaps misunderstanding about TAFE and I always say, you know, we're not just a TAFE. Um, we have this incredibly unique offering here in Victoria and uh, you probably will know, Claire, or someone listening will know, I've been trying to find a similar comparator across the country and, and I haven't been able to do it, but I'm sure you'll probably know someone that I'll be able to reach out and connect with. But we, we are two providers, effectively, Bendigo TAFE and Kangan Institute of Vocational Education and Training, and we're one of the 16 TAFEs uh, here in Victoria. There's obviously 12 standalone of four dual sectors. Uh, we've got two commercial arms as well. So we've got BetAssess, who runs skilled migration assessments for the federal government, and eWorks, which is an online LMS for the vet sector. Geographically, uh, and for people to get their bearings, uh, from our uh, Cremorne campus, we can almost see the MCG from our Cremorne campus, to give you a sign. And we've got 10 campuses then uh, from there, right throughout northern metropolitan Melbourne, uh, the heart in Broadmeadows, and then right up through regional Victoria, through Bendigo, and uh, I guess uh, the northest, northernmost point is Echuca. So we're on almost on the, oh, well, actually on the border uh, with New South Wales. So um, across those campuses, we've got more than 300 courses, but we also, uh, we have this incredibly diverse offering. So two jobs and skills centres, three centres of excellence, so food and fibre, health and automotive, to Indigenous education centres. We've got a working fashion hub and certainly at the peak of uh, when COVID hit, we were running 24-7 making masks. Uh, we also deliver uh, vocational education and training to about half of the prisons here in Victoria. So we're at another seven sites right across the state, one of those maximum security prison. Uh, we're also a non-secondary school provider delivering VCAL and bed in schools. Uh, I, you know, effectively, I'm a, I'm a proprietor of training restaurants, day spas, hairdressers, barbering salons, and now uh, two veterinary nursing clinics. Uh, so it's pretty diverse. We've got about 21,000 students, 1,400 staff. Uh, but back to our Cremorne campus, I guess it's 
traditionally been the place for textiles and fashion hub and hair and beauty. Uh, but it's now becoming the home to students seeking careers in technology and innovation. So we're working closely with our neighbours to develop a, a really dynamic innovation precinct there and we've recently uh, named the campus our creative and digital campus there, so really starting to shift things around. Would you like me to talk a little bit about what we're doing at Cremorne? Or? Yes, please. Yes, yes, yeah, very yeah. interested. Fantastic. Uh, so I Starting to shift our offering in Cremorne really started with simple conversations with our industry neighbours in the precinct. And if you don't know uh, Cremorne, uh, it's seen to be, it's a very small geographic area actually, and it's attracted uh, perhaps the the most interesting, uh, successful uh, tech startups uh, in the country. And they say that the concentration of tech capability in the Cremorne precinct is, is unprecedented nationally and and quite possibly internationally. So huge tech uh, capability in such a small area and we're smack bang in the middle of Cremorne. So it's probably a a continuation of a long tradition there where, as I said earlier, uh, Cremorne was traditionally known as the rag trade area and that was the focus of the training provided. But now with the increasing number of tech and startups, we're we're transitioning our offering. So talking with our neighbours, we know that their greatest challenge is the talent pipeline and you will certainly have seen that nationally with all of the work and the new digital skills pipeline and roadmap that's being developed federally, uh, where uh, those organisations are also experiencing the great challenge and, and competition for talent. Uh, they can have, some of those organisations told us they can have between 30 and 150 vacancies at any one time that they can't fill. And, and of course, um, instead of being able to fill them, they often end up poaching from each other and that's not what they want. And so that's why we need to grow the talent pool uh, for Cremorne, uh, but also um, for uh, we are able to then scale that capability. So we want to deliver the training and skills uh, for our industry partners in, in the area, but then also scale that up and provide it as a general offering. So the, the graduate model of wanting people to come um, complete from university is not necessarily what the employer is saying they're needing. Um, and the graduates may not necessarily um, be experienced in the right technology that they need at that time, and often they find they're needing to be retrained once entering their workforce, and that means potential you know, product, productive time is lost and a poor return on investment for the employer. So while we're talking with talent acquisition managers and tech leaders, we heard about what they want in terms of technical skills and soft skills, absolutely. They're absolutely in demand in these firms as well as getting appreciation of their work methodology. So uh, crucially important is, is to embed the right technologies, uh, those that are actually being used uh, and book, bring them into the training. And so it's not just about designing a course and letting them remain static. It would need to constantly evolve. One of the things we're doing is uh, working on a model, a traineeship model, and that might have traditionally been viewed as the domain of the blue-collar jobs, uh, but we're finding we need to stretch our thinking and, and the traineeship is a useful model for getting workers ready for the so-called new collar jobs, as Ginny Romady from IBM dubbed them. She specifically mentioned vocational training as a qualifying characteristic of new collar work. So when it comes to cloud computing technicians, databases, cybersecurity analysts, user interface designers and other assorted IT roles, technical skills and education are required, but not necessarily a degree. But formal training is only one piece of the puzzle and uh, the other component is work practices learnt on the job, fitting in the work environment, communicating well, collaborating in teams and certainly dealing with customers. So that's the sort of thing that we've been doing uh, with our uh, 
tech colleagues in uh, Cremorne. Fantastic. And uh, you spoke earlier about uh, the need for uh, reform and and your um, eagerness uh, for change. And you can really see in in the example that you've just set out in Cremorne around those tech skills and uh, and your employer engagement that we do need a, a different way of engaging. And let's hope that these new industry clusters and uh, new and improved ways of allowing vet providers to to work with employers uh, really helps uh, you continue to cement and and grow those relationships, let alone other um, providers uh, right across the country. Um, And I love your characterisation, and I hear that it wasn't yours, but uh, you were the first person to uh, share the blue versus the new collar. Um, And I wonder, so you've talked about the the training needs of the digital or tech sector, but also when we've spoken previously, you've um, pointed out to me um, the changes and innovation that you're also seeing in the trades. And mm-hmm. um, I wonder if you can talk to us about what that means for you at um, at Bendigo Kangan. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I guess we, you know, if you look across our offering and 300 courses, you could absolutely say that we straddle the old and the new but I prefer to say um, we 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 run the programs that industry needs and where there's great uh, demand so we you know the trades are in enormous demand here in Victoria we've got a, a big build underway and uh, I don't see that slowing down anytime soon uh, what we are observing is that um, you know that the shifting of the capability and skills that we're building as part of these courses and you can see digital, starting to uh, infiltrate almost every job now. Uh, and so we need to do that as part of our training programs as well. Um, even, even as a result of COVID, we've noticed uh, significant changes in where the demand is and huge growth in animal uh, vet nursing and animal care training. Uh, and we're well-placed to sort of meet that drive in demand, huge growth in demand for health again, uh, we're very fortunate to receive $60 million this year from the Victorian government to create a health and community centre of excellence at Broadmeadows. And I, I can't think of a, a place or a, a need any greater across the country uh, for us to be developing those health skills for, for, for local people uh, where there's enormous demand and huge burgeoning population as well. Um, so we're, we're sort of adapting and, and growing our offering um, looking at our enrolments um, and the vet sector as a whole, um, we seem to note even in our automotive offerings, so our Automotive Centre of Excellence at Docklands is really a national program. So all um, many of the car brands that everyone knows from BMW to Toyota, I think we've been partners in delivering training for Toyota um, mechanics for 20 years now, um, and it's incredibly strong and well-regarded. We can see... Um, we've got different client models that work really well there uh, and our key client model is a way where we engage with industry and effectively deliver a program that meets each of these uh, industry partners uh, and really tailor it to their needs. So that, that's been incredibly successful. Um, what we've also found is, you know, we're developing, for example, a dual qualification, so d- perhaps deeper diving into automotive, which, um, you know, we, we do provide um, sort of a, a world-class service, I guess. Uh, we've recently uh, sold our program and, and continue to work uh, replicating our Automotive Centre of Excellence in Docklands to Gujarat in India. So 
um, they're sort of taking our model and it's growing there. So that's really exciting to see. But what we've we've tried to do um, with the increased number of, say, hybrid vehicles, we know that they'll be used uh, until, um, I guess, fully electric vehicles will be cost effective. Uh, and so we are recognising that change. And so everyone going through now, we're ensuring they're getting the skills to be able to work on hybrid vehicles uh, as well. And, and ultimately, that means that um, a dual qualification will show the way where you're training in light vehicle, mechanical and automotive electrical technology will enable you to sort of meet the, you know, the, the capability and the technology in vehicles for the, for the next decade as well. So they're some of the examples that we're adapting to meet the needs. But I can see digital just becoming core capability across every offering we have, uh, just as, you know, a new generic uh, capability will be infection control skills, doesn't matter about what your workplace will be. You're absolutely right there. And I think it's exciting and challenging um, for the sector to to respond and and to have the the teachers who can um, teach those new and emerging technologies and digital skills right across uh, mm. the the range of um, industries that the vet sector trains for. And I think one of the other examples that uh, you shared, I think last time we uh, we spoke online, um, and mm. that was also about the. Um, uh, solar and uh, and green technologies that's also having having an impact so we're at a point I think in in the sector's history where what we teach is changing much more rapidly than the current structures uh, allow for and I think if we get these reforms right at the national level we'll have more responsive qualifications um, mm. what I then but we might have to come back and have another conversation. What I'm then interested in is I think then what does it mean for um, TAFEs and other providers in terms of keeping your staff and your courses current? Mm. You know, it's it's great to change and be responsive to how quickly the world is changing, but that in turn puts uh, internal pressures um, on the, the vet sector. So I think that's yeah. something that we, we need to keep in mind. Absolutely. Well, we've we've obviously we've all flipped to uh, sort of remote or blended delivery, uh, you know, back in March last year, and we probably did it over. You know, we probably had a three year plan to do it, and we did it in five days. So uh, there's been a big uplift in our workforce and our own digital capability. Uh, there's always a ways to go in that. I think the great what, why there is such great engagement and passion from our teachers is the strong ind industry connections that they maintain. And, and I run this program, I run a random max of coffee where staff can pop, you know, choose to meet with me and all of them come with this list of ideas that they have and most often it's brought back from their connections with industry about we need to bring this in, you know, we want to make sure we've got this offering or, you know, this new technology uh, and let's investigate this. So, so the passion and the drive for change uh, is is most often bottom up. Um, I'm seeing in the organisation. Uh, back to your thought about these reforms coming federally. You know, I think the great challenge is who funds it. You know, particularly the innovation and the the new development. In the instance of of our pilot in Cremorne, it, the digital skills organisation are supporting us to to run this uh, pilot traineeship. But otherwise, you know, it, it, I. I hope that that is going to become clearer and that there's strong incentives 
for TAFEs and other RTOs to develop new and, and to innovate. So that's probably just a challenge that I'll put out there that remains. Mm. Uh, and uh, I think that's a really important factor to get right moving forward. Well, it was part of the Joyce review that these new mm. industry models would come in, but they would also come with uh, drawing on the New Zealand experience that there the would be funding um, that would be distributed um, potentially through them. So, again, I think you, your point is right. If we're only funding for individual uh, qualifications, well, how do we uh, get the innovation uh, that we need? Gosh, there's always lots to talk about. And, Sally, going back to one of your earlier questions about is there anyone else uh, uh, quite like Bendigo Kangan? Well, the answer is no. Uh, mm. You know, there's been a lot of amalgamation in the other states so, the, mm. you know, Victoria is a standout now with um, as many um, uh, institutes as you have. And I'm really struggling to think of any that have that geographic right from, uh, you know, the heart of the capital, large capital mm. city, right through right through to the New South Wales border, uh, let alone the, the VetAssess and uh, eWorks and, and other things that you have. So I think uh, there are others who have elements of what you have and uh, and certainly um, it, you know, potentially would be good to talk to, but uh, uh, the people who are telling you that there's no one quite like uh, Bendigo Kangan, <laughs> they they would be right. Um, yeah. Look, I could, uh, I'm sorry, sorry. I, I will just say one thing on that, Claire, and um, I think because it is a unique model, we're, we're really starting to reap the benefits of it and, and the strengths of, uh, I guess, regional uh, takes and the very strong connection to community and, you know, um, the community really holds you to a very strong account and we know pretty immediately if we're not delivering, but that commitment and understanding of community translates well into our metropolitan offerings, equally where we've had, you know, centres of excellence. So, for example, our automotive centre that's in Docklands, we've been able to replicate that in Bendigo. Uh, so, again, it, it has worked incredibly well and, and I think now we're all the better for it uh, and, and it really adds to career pathways for our staff and, you know, that broad offering we're able to have uh, in regional Victoria is certainly leveraged from uh, the offerings that we have in, in Metropolitan. So, yeah, I think it is working well and it's I know it's unique, but I think we're getting uh, many of the benefits now from that. And what a great note to end on. Um, I'm conscious that as we're talking uh, there is, you know, the, the COVID outbreak uh, mm. in Melbourne and it, and it um, is, you know, particularly a, a challenge in some of the areas where you have campuses. Uh, mm. So uh, very best wishes to your staff and students who are trying to manage their way through uh, all of that. Thank you very much for your time and, uh, and all the best. Thank you so much, Claire. Really appreciate it. 